Welcome back to another episode of the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Strength and Speed owner and Mud Gear Hannibal Race Pro, Evan Preparis. Before we get to our guest, a quick word from this episode's sponsor. This episode is brought to you by OCR Buddy. If you haven't downloaded the OCR Buddy app, please do. That's how I find all my races. It allows you to search by distance, state, weekend, etc. So really user-friendly. And we're going to be talking about a race called Hazelwood OCR towards the second half of this episode. And one of the ways I found that race is through the OCR Buddy app. So download OCR Buddy app. It's got a bunch of discounts in there for you guys to use and allows you to sign up for future races. Also, a bunch of my articles. Uh, I've been pushing a lot of my articles through them. So uh, you can check out OCRBuddy.com if you want to read some of those. All right, joining me on the podcast, I have Captain NBC himself, a Ninja Warrior legend here, Jamie Ron. Jamie, welcome. hey Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so, uh, you, you know, you've been on Ninja Warrior, it feels like, forever. Um, so Yeah, over a decade. Oh, that's amazing. So I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to be able to do you justice. So for our listeners who may be, some of them who may not know who you are, uh, especially if they come from the obstacle course racing world, um, can you just give us a rundown of, like, your, your number of seasons, you know, any kind of major highlights you've had over the years, et cetera? Sure. So um, let me do quick math. So I've been on... Uh, the past 14 seasons, I started in season two and we just finished, uh, started filming season 16. Uh, I've done, uh, international Ninja Warrior. I've done, uh, Germany, uh, where I got to climb the, uh, the tower stage four rope. Uh, I won the, the medal for that. And then I won, uh, team kind of USA versus Germany. Uh, I got to go to Vietnam, uh, compete there. I got to go to Japan and compete there. Uh, I'm currently the only person to lose a shoe on the course and still finish the course. Um, for a long time, uh, I was one of the only people to get to the, the last obstacle of the semifinals, uh, for a couple of years. It'd be, uh, mostly me, Morofsky and Jeff Britton, uh, in the last four. So it was, uh, really cool, uh, you know, growing up with them and training, you know, as hard as we could. Uh, I kind of have a parkour background that I kind of took into Ninja Warrior. Um, I love doing OCR races. I started with a, um, an event in Jersey called Goliathon, where you beat all the hardest ones first try. You become a David, like David and Goliath. I was the first to become a David, and I've got the most Davids. Uh, I think it's like eight or nine now. Uh, not sure, but I'm, I'm two ahead of second place. So I got to keep that, that going. The next race is actually coming up uh, in a couple months. So other than that, um, I think that's the majority of it as far as, as far as I can remember. That is insane. That is so many things. I mean, it is like, and you've oh, 14 seasons there you go. is baffling. Yeah, that's I, like, sorry, I forgot. Um, I did Team Ninja War and Ninja vs. Ninja where We did head-to-head races for all three years. Amazing. That's seriously amazing. <laughs> Goliathons of race I've been meaning to get out to out in New Jersey. Super unique form. Oh, you'd love it. Yeah, it's such a unique format. If anyone has picked up my book, Mud Run Guide's uh, OCR Bucket List, it's in there. And uh, so there's some Oh, nice. Yeah, such a cool. And I, I remember every time I look at the every time I look at the website or like see the sign up, I always see you um, post <laughs> post results like, yeah, Jamie won go, uh, David again. It's like, oh, sweet. So very impressive. Oh yeah, it's it's always comes down to like one or two obstacles, and you're like, man, I hope this works this time. Give people a quick rundown of like what what makes Goliathon so unique. I know there's like three levels, and talk a little bit about that real quick. 
Yeah, so Goliathon, one of the, the great parts about it is every time you beat an obstacle, you get a wristband. So it's kind of like you collect it as you go, which is really nice. Um, and you get to pick how difficult the obstacle is. So there's about 12 obstacles and three levels. Level one, you can it's a much easier version, and you can get help from your teammates or anyone you want the whole time. Two and three, you got to do by yourself, and they go up in difficulty. Uh, and I always say level three is kind of like Ninja Warrior, but a little bit muddy. Uh, so they all get harder and harder as you go. Uh, so the easy way to describe it, I think the warp ball uh, for the G1 is, I think it's like a 9-foot, a but with like a rope, maybe a 10-foot. And then the G2 is like a 12-foot. And then the uh, G3, I think, is a 16-foot, but it's very uh, mellow of a run. So it just gets the vertical. So they go up higher and higher. Uh, but it's great because if you feel like, hey, I don't want to, you know, push myself on this one, uh, it's a little intimidating, you can do one step down, and points are accumulated, one point for G1, three points for G2, five points for G3, no matter what you do, you get one try, make it or not, you're moving on, so it's uh, it's really unique in the, the OCR world, I kind of thought of it as the, um, the best kind of intermediary between Ninja and OCR. Yeah, super cool, and is there any obstacle there where you're like, you know, this is the one that sometimes gets me, or, or are you, like, 100% every time you go? No, there's definitely two that are always up in the air. One is called, um, uh, oh, what was the name? It's such a good name. Uh, it's something like Hope for the Get Best or Hail Mary. It's basically floating tires uh, with plywood on top of varying sizes connected by a string underneath. So they don't always stay in line. Um, and you have to hit a bell at the end, but one of the last few are like um, like uh, lawnmower tires, so they're very tiny, so it's very easy to, to miss it. Uh, so that one's always like a, a hope for the best, just be as confident as you can. Uh, and then the other one that's really intimidating is the balance. It's not too bad, the majority of it. You're on a um, like a 2 by 12 uh, going along these different paths. you got to crawl under, up this weave. Uh, onto like a telephone pole but then the big move is I mean you're like a foot off the water and the jump is from a telephone pole to another 2 by 12 but you're jumping at it at an angle and it's just too far to do a split onto um, and so you got to jump to that and then make another I don't know 12 feet to the shore to get to the end and that one jump is just a, a big hope you can stay calm in it and not overcorrect. Uh, and you're always in your head like oh, is it wet from other people on it? You know, is it going to be, uh, you know, the way I feel it's going to be? Uh, so it's definitely nerve-wracking, the two balanced ones, because they are almost, it's really hard to tell if they are wet or not, and it's a full commitment move. It's not like, oh, I missed my grab, I can go back. It's, you're 100% committed. Nice, yeah. I mean, so some of the obstacles look super challenging, and it looks like a really cool event. Um, yeah, very creative. Very impressive the number of times you've gotten all of them. So, <laughs> thanks. Yeah. So, Ninja Warrior, you were, you said you've been on 14 seasons. We just, the, they're filming season 15 and 16 in 2023. So, currently, uh, how did you, how did you get started? Like, how did you get your foot in the door? Uh, give me like the initial, you know, getting into Ninja Warrior story. Sure. I, uh, I didn't know about Ninja Warrior initially. There was a, 
a show, I think it was on Spike TV, called MXC, which is a Japanese game show dubbed for English for comedy. It was just really hysterical. And I used to watch it with my dad, and then one day he's like, hey, I found a show that's like that one we're watching, but they're like real athletes. And so he showed me Sasuke, uh, which was in Japan, and it started airing in the U.S., uh, and while watching it, I saw a commercial saying looking for costume competitors for stage or uh, for season two. And I didn't even know there was a, a season one in the States. So uh, that year I sent him my Halloween costume, which was um, Captain Planet. Uh, so it was all body paint with uh, red mankini, high red socks, um, green hair, mullet. And so they like, hey, we love it. Uh, we like you to come compete, but we got to change the logo because that's obviously uh, copyright in. I was like, well, what about your logo? You own that to the station? Like, oh, we love that idea. So I got in good with them and I flew all the way out to Venice Beach for my first season, season two. I failed the first obstacle. Uh, I came home. I was quite bummed. Uh, season three, I got called again, uh, but I ended up needing surgery on my wrist uh, from overworking power tools for my uh, college thesis project. So I had to bow out. And the second year is the hardest to get called back, uh, especially if you don't do well, because they want to see new faces. They want to see people do well. Uh, and luckily, I was called back for season four uh, and did well enough and made a big enough impression that I've been called back every time since. Wow, that's crazy. So I had no idea that's where the hair coloring came from, because that was, <laughs> that was yeah. my next question. So you, you, obviously, oh, yeah. you dropped the blue body paint for the show, right? Oh, no, I did the body paint the first time in Venice Beach. Uh, but I didn't have red body paint, so I used red acrylic paint. And so when I got done, everything that was blue was sunburnt, everything that was red wasn't. And then the next time I competed was in Florida or Miami, and it was just so cold that I was just shivering. So I can't wear anything because the body paint would smear come off. So season four, we were in Baltimore, right on the harbor. And I was like, I, I can't do this. So I just wore sweatpants the whole time. And I was like, all right, we're, we're getting better. And season five, a gentleman who made outfits for the WWE reached out to me. He's like, hey, I saw your stuff. And, you know, I like to make an outfit for you for, you know, the course and maybe like a Power Ranger, a different color for each stage. I was like, man, I love it. We're on the same wavelength. And he started making some stuff. But the WWE costumes functionality don't really work well for ninja for instance like you have those kick pads on the legs which look good but then they kind of have to go underneath the shoe um which affects your grip so we kind of played around with things and after that year i I wore his outfit with the modifications and um he had a falling out with his business partner and i was like well i like the idea let's try and make it my own so i went to joanne fabrics got some uh it's like a four-way stretch swim slash dancewear and I just put something together and I I really liked it and so I kind of kept that theme and eventually I changed the letters on my chest that said NBC to uh, a logo uh, that I kind of made as like a a shield with a lightning bolt through it because you would not believe how many times I get asked what does NBC stand for and saying the TV network is not a great answer. So we were trying to think of what would be something cool. And the best we could think of is uh, nobody cares. So I was like, let's just create a logo and and hope people don't think about the name anymore. Yeah. The other option was Captain Nothing But Clears, 
which is nice too, but not as funny. Yeah, yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah, that's that's such a crazy story. And the <laughs> like you're so have you kept the green hair for every season? Yeah, yeah. It was originally that, you know, Halloween spray stuff. Uh and then I found um Manic Panic, which is black light, it grows or bl- or grow glows super bright, like in uh the bowling alley type stuff. Uh and I begged for them to get a black light, but never worked. But the color was just so vibrant uh, that I kept it, even though I changed the costume. One thing I liked was green's my second favorite color. I really love purple. Uh, but if you're wearing purple, you can't really have purple hair. You just kind of look like a big plum. So having green hair allows me a little bit more options. Plus, the green hair is so unique. I never really saw many people with it. So I like that I stood out. Uh, and throughout the the seasons, People will tell me, you know, oh, my kid knows all about you or, you know, hey, are you the guy from Ninja? And they don't know my name. They, you know, may barely know my face, but they know the guy with green hair. Or they'll say, like, hey, you know, watch Ninja. And do you know that guy with green hair? I was like, yeah, yep, that's me. So it's, it's nice that it's been recognizable. And I think that really helped me get um, called back each year so consistently is, you know, that um, – awareness on the show that just sticks with people yeah i was gonna say i mean you you, again you covered it before i asked but like from a marketing perspective it's like genius because literally everyone knows like like you said if they don't know your name they at least recognize right right like when we when we go to a race and i see you i I mean i can spot you from across the the (laughs) right like it's like oh jamie's here right yeah and you know most people's awareness of ninja warrior is very you know wave tops and they don't you know, like when I'm when people are like, oh, you, you're friends with people on the show. I'm like, yeah, well, Michelle Warnke was on my team, my like obstacle course race. Uh-huh. Team. And, you know, Michelle's been on the show, I don't know, nine times at this point. And people are like, no, don't know her. But I, yeah. know the, I know the Wonder Woman girl. Are you friends with her? It's like Jesse Grant. Oh, yeah. You know, so like, yeah, yeah they, they know wave tops. They don't know like, uh, except, mm-hmm. unless you're like a real fan. Yeah, I remember back in like maybe like season eight or something. Uh, before they lower the age and let all the, the teams in, I felt like I made a, I took a Guess Who game and turned it into like Ninja Guess Who. And it was really cool because I realized like you've got a cowboy, you've got an Eskimo, you've got the Hawaiian, you have the superhero, you have the Wonder Woman, and you have all these like specific, you know, uh, you know, characters where, you know, who's that, uh, that ninja is the cowboy. You know exactly who he's talking about. Lance Peek is, or you know, Wonder Woman is Jesse Graff, or superhero Jamie Ron, or you know, bald Kevin Bull. Uh, and it was really cool that we kind of had that dis- distinction uh, in the beginning. Uh, and I think it's way harder for people to find that now to stand out amongst the crowd. Um, so I'm really grateful that I had that. And the marketing fell in my lap with the green. I was like, oh, putting their their name on my chest. That's great for marketing. Uh, but then when that okay. went away, just, you know, what you said, the visibility of it really worked out in my favor. Yeah. So you mentioned um, uh, you mentioned like them them opening up it to the teens and uh, the, mm-hmm. the last couple of years, there's been a lot of teens coming in and they're like, I'm just baffled at how good they are. I mean, they've <laughs> grown up with the sport. Their bodies are designed right. from like ground zero for Ninja. <laughs> um, tell me just like some thoughts on the, on the teens and uh, kind of their you know, their explosion in the sport. Do you have any kind of 
from a from a veteran who's yeah. been on the show for a long time. It's it's very kind of interesting. Uh, you know, at certain points it's exciting, and at certain points it's kind of disappointing. But you see, like they grew up, and they've been training for about as long as I have been competing. But they've been doing it as they've been building their skills and building that strength, so it becomes more natural for them, and they're able to start higher and build quicker. I always say that uh, COVID was the big bump for teens because uh, while those old people had to, you know, find work and work for that time, they were off school and at home training all day. I was like, man, you guys really stepped up your game and used that to your advantage. And you watch a lot of the teens, and they go really fast, and they're really strong. And a lot of it is, I think, the way that they have learned and trained is based on what the course is now compared to what it was. Uh, and they learn to do big moves and fancy moves and technical moves. And that's just the norm for them. And they're super comfortable with it. So linking, for example, hitting a, a lache move back to back without having to do an extra backswing. I mean, you see that all the time with the, the teens. It's kind of like if you can't link it, then you haven't solved the problem of the obstacle yet. Like there's got to be a way to make it work. And they're just so strong. They, they find out the ways and they've got great body control. And when we were growing up, it was like, all right, I just have to be strong enough that I can figure out how to do it before my muscles pump out. And now it's not like, how do I figure out this obstacle? It's get on, get off, save the energy, uh, and keep moving forward. And, I mean, you've kind of seen in the past couple of years, and you'll see it in season 15 uh, and season 16, just, you know, how, how fast and incredible they're pushing the sport, which is disappointing because it makes it harder to – keep up with them but i do love you know how difficult things are getting because they're at that level uh and seeing all the crazy things that not only that they're doing but um they're inventing new obstacles new designs because they're at that level now if you look at um sam Folsom, he has some crazy absurd ideas that he makes that you're like well no one's gonna do that but you see him do it and they're like okay i guess it could be an obstacle but it's incredibly difficult. Uh, and Brett Sims, he's an OG of all the OGs. Uh, and he's very creative with the obstacles too. Uh, but yeah, those teens, man, they keep pushing it further and further. Uh, and they're very fun to watch. And I'm glad that they didn't get competitive. I know with like kids sports, it kind of becomes like um, a competitive thing against each other. But Ninja's always been you versus the course. And I love that they've, started to carry that through and it hasn't become this you know i have to beat person a or person b but you know we're always just trying to figure out a way to get everyone through and, and cheering on you know whether they do good or trying to help them out when they're doing bad uh so i'm happy that that stayed with i'm glad to see them pushing really far but a little disappointed that it's much harder to stay uh up to pace with them yeah, no, you, you, I think you, you hit it right on, and yeah, that 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 mentality of like us against the course is is definitely there, and I could see it backstage, uh, the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the like you said, they they were the, the 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 you know, I know that the TV show makes it seem like everyone's rooting for each other, but like backstage, everyone yeah. is legitimately rooting for each other. You know, like every oh, time, that tank gets so loud. Yeah, you know, yeah, like every time there's a close call, you know, people are like ah, oh, or you know. <laughs> It's um yeah. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. So. Oh, absolutely. Now, I mentioned it earlier. They they filmed season 15 and 16 and like the yeah. I don't know how much 
Uh, we obviously can't talk about season 15 or 16 because it hasn't aired yet. Um, right. The, the rumor mill was going nuts. Like, is this the end of Ninja Warrior? Is are they going to film? They're going to double down. They're going to film two seasons in one. I think they show two seasons in one year. Are they going to, um, you know, show one season this year, one season next year, and we're going to have to wait two years to film? Um, yeah, any- I asked them. They haven't really made a final decision on it, and I'm sure they're going to keep it close to the chest so that they're not kind of held to any um, expectation. Uh, but there's talk of, um, uh, what do they call it? Like, there might be a, a writer strike coming down the lane, uh, which if that happens, good for us. We're not a scripted show. We could air two seasons in, in one year, uh, which I think would be great. Uh, and then they would film another one. What I hope doesn't happen is they show 15, wait, show 16 next year, and then film 17 the year after. Ideally, if they do split that up, they'll film 17 as they're airing 16. So they kind of always have one in the pocket to show next year. Uh, uh, but... Really, they, they haven't decided on what's going to happen. I mean, they could even do two a year moving forward, which would be great. Like, uh, you know, Japan had – they had two uh, tournaments per year. Uh, so you kind of had two chances at, you know, Mount Midoriyama. And that's what I'm hoping for. But, you know, producer discretion and TV world being what it is, you never really know. So, you know, we're just going to have to wait and see. I mean, there's stuff they filmed that, you know – took a year plus before they even put it out on uh on tv yeah 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 well we, we were talking about it um again all rumors so this is just adding to the rumor pile uh there was a rumor they were talking about selling it to a different network so they were they were kind of keeping one in the pocket so they the transition would be easier uh but yeah, yeah like they could uh shop that out yeah yeah so we'll uh We'll see, and hopefully, possible. I, I don't want to have to change my name again. That's that's what I was. I was, I was like, uh oh, yeah. You'll just have to like switch to like just the generic, the captain or something, or I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. I can't be like Captain Discovery Channel. It just doesn't flow off the thing. I'll just have to be uh, Captain and shorten it to just one word. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Um, tell yeah. me a little. Tell me a little bit about. Uh, your day job and kind of how that works in with ninja training. Sure. So um, I'm doing deliveries for Amazon now. So I'm a delivery driver, which is nice because I'm constantly moving. Uh, and it's good because it's not that stressful. I, I kind of have some time to myself and to unwind. I'm a pretty isolated person and I, I feel pretty comfortable like that. If I don't get that throughout the week, it, it kind of eats at me. So it's nice to have, paid time to do that uh so i'll be moving somewhere between like six and i think my my most was this week i hit 15 miles uh in a day uh and it's nice uh, my route's out in kind of like the the woodsy area uh so there's a lot of long driveways that the truck can't make it up so i get some nice hill sprints up and down with packages uh throughout the day which is really just good leg and cardio work uh, which has kind of kept me in shape since I haven't been able to get to the ninja gym as much. Uh, and then I just try and hit up climbing and ninja open gyms once a week to keep that upper body going. And, you know, I love just parkour and body movement. Uh, and then I'll, I'll hit up OCR competitions and ninja competitions uh, when I can fit them in. The big thing is, you know, now that I've got a, a son, uh, got to spend a lot of time helping around the house and, you know, taking care of him. So it's a lot of, 
do I leave for three hours to do like an hour and a half of training or do I hang out with my son so my wife can, you know, eat dinner, have a shower and I get some, you know, father son time. So job wise is great to keep the cardio up, but upper body wise, I haven't been able to do what I used to do, which is just, you know, condition the hell out of everything uh, day in and day out when I did work at the ninja gyms. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, you know, I, I've obviously legend in the sport of ninja, right? I've been going for 14 years. Is there yeah. is there a retirement in the future? Are you gonna keep going to have fun? So I was, you know, backstage the, this year. Some of some of the veterans were like, I think this is my last year. And like yeah. regardless of how I do. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting. I was surprised to hear person X say that. Um mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, what are your thoughts? And the thoughts were, you know, I if I don't feel like I'm gonna win it. I don't want to compete for some of them. And I was like, okay, I, I can kind of understand that. Um, but for me, at a certain point, like, like I felt 100% I can win the whole thing for most of my career. Um, the past, like, maybe three, it was questionable. I was like, all right, I can get, you know, close to it. And, you know, I can just mentally push and see what happens. I wasn't like super confident that I was going to go through if I didn't make any stupid mistakes. But what I, I started to realize is that if you're not having fun, you're doing it wrong. Um, and I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Sean Darling Hammond. Uh, he's the giving ninja. He hasn't competed in a while. Uh, but I was sick on set one year. Uh, I get migraines a lot. Uh, I was born with um, a brain cyst, so they come pretty often and come pretty heavy. And I had one on set of semifinals and I was just like hiding in a hole and he comes up and he's like, man, isn't this awesome? We get to, you know, try this course and like they spent millions of dollars to make it. And, you know, we get to play on it. They made it like just for us. And I was like, you know what, man, you're right. You know, regardless of you know how you feel or how you do, like if you think of it, like you get to play on something that no one else gets to and they put all this money into it. They want you to succeed. They don't want you to fail. You know, they want to give you the best chance at it. And so it's it's all just a great time if you keep it in the right perspective. Um, and I've considered retirement, and I don't think I'm ready for it. I would. I always said I'll keep coming back so long as they, they let me, uh, which I would love to do. The only thing I think that would pull me earlier is if that – camaraderie and you know ninja versus the course turns into you know ninja versus the ninja uh trying to make it more of a a rival thing or you know that attitude changes uh then i just wouldn't enjoy it i wouldn't have the fun uh and i would try to focus my attention on uh getting back to japan but you know seeing that like we talked about the teams keeping that alive which i, I really like to see and you know, hope that keeps flipping through with the new changes and the, the formats coming in for 15 and 16. Uh, so, yeah, right now I'm going to go until they don't let me because, I mean, it's fun and you get to play on something that, I mean, for a lot of people, it's a once-a-lifetime thing, so I'm not going to pass that up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, my my family came out and watched last year because I was like, well, you know, you never know if this is the only or the last year I'm going to get it, so, like, you gotta, gotta right. come out at least at least once, right? So um <laughs> Yeah. And then my daughter was upset she didn't get to come out this year. So 
You said they didn't get to come out this year? Nah, but last year was during spring break, so we, we, we could miss school. Oh, nice. Uh, and then this okay. year, it didn't quite line up well. And this year was also not drivable for me uh, versus the last yeah, year. Yeah, LA is expensive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my wife came to only season 15 because my episode was filmed on the weekend. 16 was during the week. It's like, it was so expensive just to do that and, you know, take off uh, the weekend from work. But to miss work and have to pay for a flight and a hotel, that's just a lot. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Well, so how do you, you can always just tell her, wait till I get to Vegas and then, then we can meet up there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so how did you get involved in the overseas ones? Did you apply to those separately, or was that like Ninja Warrior knows you because you're an established person, and they were like, hey, here's an opportunity. Why don't you come over and uh, kind of help get the program started overseas? Well, it started with um, – there was the Malaysian Cup that I wanted to go to, but I couldn't make it work. It was like super short notice. I was kind of the first international piece I know of. Um, you know, Strat, Bernardo, Warren Key, they all went out and had an amazing time. Brett Sims. Uh, and it was like kind of like an international thing beyond the USA versus the world. And after that, there's a Vietnam ninja war or Sasuke Vietnam. Uh, and Bernardo and a couple of people went. And when they went back, uh, they asked if I wanted to go. And I was like, yeah, how do I apply? And they go send, you know, your information to this person. And, um, I basically kind of put together like a show reel of like, this is what I've done in America. You know, I'd love to try out with you guys. And so I got to go there, which is great. Um, and I got to meet, um, well, I got to meet a Nui who's uh, the producer of Sasuke in Japan when he came to America, when USA versus the world came and the Japanese competitors came over, which is just like a huge, awesome moment to, you know, be able to compete with those guys. Um, and then, I saw him in Vietnam and he saw, you know, that I did well enough that he invited me out to Japan, which I was just so happy about. Um, but before I got there, one of the producers for Germany asked me to come out there. Uh, Grant, the Island Ninja, he was in Germany and he gave my name to the producer of someone that would be interested and be good on it. Uh, producer thought it was a great idea, reached out and I went out there. Uh, and then I went out to Japan was the last one I got to go to, uh, in Japan, I met the Israel guys, uh, and was set to go out to Israel, except COVID happened. So that just kept getting postponed. And then when it looked like it was going to go, my son was going to be born in a couple weeks. So that kind of postponed it again. Uh, but I do love traveling to those international things and seeing the community as a worldwide community outside of just kind of our, our national group. But it, yeah, it just started out as some people had done it. There was like an opening for it. They had applied and then I apply and they kind of, you know, kind of gave me good reference, I guess. And then just being recognizable uh, internationally, you know, that the hair and the look and being able to do well enough uh, on the show, I think gave me enough interest for them to bring me into all these, uh, other countries yeah super cool and you know all the connections you made it sounds like um you know just being a genuinely good person and being friendly and kind of reaching out and keeping in touch with people sounded like uh really panned out well for you oh yeah i mean there's no reason to ever be uh you know a dick or you know 
to production or rude or anything like that. Like they're they're the gatekeepers, but they're at work. Whatever we do on set, they're there before and after, regardless. So they always have it harder than we do, even though like we feel like this is a it's more important for us, but they're putting in a lot of effort too. Uh, and just, you know, recognizing that and thanking them when I see him and, you know, congratulating them on good seasons or good obstacles or, you know, telling them how much, you know, I like what they did with the new, you know, obstacle design or, you know, the new setup with the tent or, you know, ninja holding, whatever it is, you know, I like to communicate that so that they know we're appreciated of it. Um, and then I think, like you said, just being a, a good person, you know, people see that and that carries on. And, you know, no one wants someone that's going to be throwing tantrums, you know, invited to their, their country to, you know, go on their course. They want people that their audience is going to root for and stand behind. You, you don't want like that. Um, Ninja isn't like wrestling where you have the heel that everyone boos against. They're all just different forms of heroes. Yeah, no, that's a good. That's a good point, and uh, it's a good point. Also, you mentioned about the production. I had, I had, I have not had a single bad experience with production. Like you said, they're there before us and after us, and their their days are longer. Um, mm-hmm. and it, you know, we just have to kind of show up for a brief amount of time for some of the some of the days, like the interviews and stuff like that. And they're right. They're there dealing with people, you know, all sorts of problems, late flights or whatever. You know, all, all the, oh yeah, the crazy, you know possibly positive COVID, you know, all, all the, all the, the what ifs um, and problems that yeah, each individual if, athlete may or may not have, you know, so. If there's a what if something probably came up and they've had to deal with it, you know, that before I am like, Oh, my flight got delayed. I'm coming in at four. Well, they got to figure out how to make that work and uh, make the, like someone came in, they were competing that day. Their flight got delayed. Uh, so they showed up that morning, did the, the COVID, the paperwork, then had to go do like a quick interview B-roll so that they could go get dressed to go to set to hit the course. So like things can happen and it could be super rushed and super hectic, but you know, they got their, their head on a swivel and they're, they're really good at keeping everything organized and solving those problems. Right on. Yeah. Last ninja question. Uh, Sasuke Japan. Is that, that's still going on. I, I don't follow the international yeah. scene very closely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, still going on. You know how many um, finishers they've had over the 20-plus years, I'm guessing, it's been going? Total, I think, could be wrong, but I want to say, I'm trying to picture them, five? Okay, wow, that's lower than I, I was expecting. Five. Yuji got it twice, and Yusuke got it twice. Um, and then uh, Nagano, uh, I forget who hit it first. Uh, and then Renee, um, I don't think he won. I think it was just furthest the fastest that year. Um, I haven't kept track with the results of it. Uh, I know they just aired uh most recent one. I didn't get to watch that one. I uh, fell asleep, but I did watch the other one, which is amazing. Their um, stage four is always so exciting. Now it's a um, speed wall. To a salmon ladder to a rope climb, um, which I think is harder than a spider wall because you can just pop, pop, pop. Uh, and their their obstacles are not as dynamic or as you know expensive looking as America, 
but a lot of them are very creative and <coughs> pardon me. They have a lot of like mechanical movements. Like, did you see the uh, the new cliffhangers that move up and back and up and down? I have not. Oh yeah, there's stage three. You go around and then to jump across the cliffhanger, it you 180 to a cliffhanger that's uh, moving up and down, so you have to time it. And then you 180 back to one that's moving forward and backwards, so you have to time that so it's not moving away from you. Um, and then, of course, you got a nice vertical limit after that into <laughs> a pipe slider. So it's really um, just another level of Ninja, but it's just a totally different style than uh, America, where America is big splashes, you know, big dynamic moves, uh, where a lot of theirs, I think, is a lot of strength and technique. <laughs> right on. Cool. Uh, great info. Just a wealth of knowledge here. We're going to move on to some OCR topics and some OCR uh, races and questions now. Yeah. So you're one of the few ninjas that I regularly see at uh, obstacle course races. So I guess yeah. why, why the crossover and why do you think there's uh, not as many others crossing over? I know there's a lot of ninjas that avoid OCR because they're afraid of getting injured. Uh, I know a lot of the time the races are usually close to competing uh and they don't want to risk it um and i think it's just you know out of their own and there isn't a lot of running in ninja warrior uh, but there is a good amount of running cardio in ocr um there was a a small group you know that we we kind of went around with for a while but yeah i think it is just that that fear of getting hurt and kind of you know ninja is very specific it's kind of like rock climbing where you know, it's either chalked, it's clean, it's dry, like nothing's wet, nothing's slippery. Uh, and I think that's a big concern of, you know, peeling out on something or twisting an ankle. It's just something they're not used to. And if they're fully committed to, you know, the sport of ninja, that they kind of avoid it. Uh, me, I like to get as much variety as possible. I really like the challenge. Oh, hi, James. <laughs> this is my son. Uh, so I really like the challenge. And I love the idea of, you know, putting myself in that mental position, like I told you about the Goliathon obstacles, you know, you have this really important move and you don't know if it's going to be wet. You just have to be completely focused and calm your nerves. I like that. And also like being able to do obstacles when I'm winded or exhausted. So I think of them as great training where I'm going to run and I'm never going to stop before the obstacle. I'm just going to go straight into it. That way I'm forcing myself to do the obstacle when I'm out of breath. Uh, you know, when I'm a little bit tired, stuff like that, just to keep my, my brain sharp and fresh with my muscles. Um, so I, I always do an elite wave with OCR, even if I'm not going to do well in it. Like OCR Worlds, I'm in like, I think I hit the top 50%, but it was not great. And I knew I wasn't going to do well. I was walking up the first hill, but I knew that, if I did anything besides elite and races, things were going to be wet. There was going to be lines waiting for people. Uh, and I don't want to have to wait in a line. I want to go hit an obstacle, move on and really challenge myself. So um, all the OCR races, if you hit the elite wave, it's great. You know, the course is not too destroyed or, you know, mudded up at that point. So you get uh, a good kind of challenge. You don't have to wait in line. Uh, but yeah, I just love the challenge. I love the variety. Um, you know, that's kind of why I liked parkour. I like to try and be as 
capable of as many different things as possible. Yeah, good answer. I think there's a lot of good lessons there too for anyone who's maybe a ninja that wants to diversify some of their training and kind of become a little more well-rounded. I was talking to yeah, some. Yeah, I try and. I was talking to some of the uh, the like some of the big ninjas backstage this year, and I'm not gonna name who who she is, but one of them's like she's like I can't even run a mile, and I was like yeah. I was just I was blown away by it because I look at her and I'm like you are just this amazing athlete, and it's right. weird, You're shredded, weird to but... think. It's weird to think that it's you know things are very specialized, and I get the same thing where like mm-hmm. I'm 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 very good at ultra endurance with obstacles, but then when you, yeah. when you take me out of that comfort zone, you know the some of the dynamic movements of ninja, you know, sometimes it doesn't translate well because there's not as many mm-hmm. dynamic movements in in OCR or um, I also do some like martial arts stuff since some of them like the flexibility movements we do, they're like aren't aren't you like a, an elite athlete? I'm like yeah, but I'm. <laughs> Like certain muscles are like purposely tight that makes me an efficient runner. Like I, I right. can't I can't bend over and do some of these movements you're asking me to do. So Yeah, and you don't want to ignore it either. You wanna, you know, tackle your, your weaknesses. It's it's interesting you say that because uh you're familiar with uh, Mike Bernardo, firefighter? Yep. So he does the Goliathon with me every year and we we do a jog. I like he would kick my butt if we tried to run it. It's like, we're going to do a Goliathon pace. We're just going to jog through. Or we're not going to stop. And, like, every race we do, we kind of hit it like that. And I think the reason that we like the, the OCR races like that is because we just like to get our butts kicked. You know, we love to just condition until we're sweating and dying and sore. So we're going to – we're not good runners. We're going to be exhausted by running this thing, hitting, you know, hills and stuff. But – just that conditioning aspect of it, I think is great. Um, and a lot of people don't love that kind of masochistic, you know, just destroy yourself and hit it like that. But I don't know. I think it can be fun. Yeah. Well, you're, you're in good company. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely in the little, little bit of pain. Is oh good yeah. With, with your level, I assume for sure. So let's talk about, uh, Hazelwood OCR and what makes that unique. So it's, a uh, First of all, I guess just tell people uh, where Hazelwood OCR is and uh, tell us a little bit about the race. Yeah, so Hazelwood OCR uh, out here in Missouri, um, in Hazelwood, they have um, two courses uh, that they do a year. They had three before I moved here, uh, but they moved it down to two. One's called the Cherenji, and the other one was the Valentine's Day Massacre. Now it's just called the Massacre. Uh, They moved it into March to avoid the snow, which is grateful. Uh, but it's mostly volunteer set up run of the day. Uh, a lot of the obstacles are kind of community based and what it's great at is variety and difficulty and packing a lot in, in a short space. So the massacre we just did, um, we got to run down a water slide, which, which is just awesome. And I've never done before in, in any type of racer event. I love but that. then I also, you know, had to carry, um, you know, heavy concrete blocks. And then I also had to do, you know, challenging ninja grip obstacles that spun and nunchucks and all this stuff. So it's, it has that feel of the Goliathon obstacles, which I really enjoy, but it's just at a smaller scale. Um, did you do the Shrenji last time they did it where they had the, that kind of track at the end? No, I didn't. I actually, I, I like, I think I tore an intercostal muscle or pulled an intercostal oh, no. muscle in jujitsu, like 
the week before and it was like two weeks before world's toughest and i was like i should probably oh, just God. take the weekend off so uh, oh absolutely world's toughest is a uh, a little bit more serious but I was upset I missed it though because I love I've done the last two massacres and I love absolutely love them. Like I can't I can't oh, yeah. even the, the the turnout is 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 low and I'm always like you people it's, like yeah this They're race is out. so good and you people are yeah. paying double and triple the amount for a quarter of the number of obstacles and significantly right? less fun. Like I don't know what you're doing. Oh yeah, it's it's so much fun there. I, I, I had the same thought. I was like, why why are people missing out? This is so good. The uh, the Chirenji last year had, had my favorite thing. It was nothing fancy, but they had like a loop with eight stations. So I'm I, you come to station one, and it was, um, I don't know, something like run through the, the tires up and back or, you know, pull the spool up with the weight with your feet you know, ro- run the rope up with a spool using your feet uh, and then bring it back. And once you finish that station, you'd have to take a weight, walk it all the way around the lap, put it back where you were, and then move up one block. And then you did another obstacle, then moved a whole lap again with the weight and did that eight times. That was the last set before you hit the wall to finish the court. And I just loved how it's, it was so much packed in. It's like, all right, you're going to do an obstacle? And then you're going to do a weight carry, and then you're going to do another one, and then you're going to do a weight carry. So there's, like, no letdown. And it was a really clever idea to fit in a lot in, uh, you know, such a short area. Yeah, that's super cool. I know, to me, like, the the Hazelwood OCR is, like, a master class on how to do an obstacle course race with not many oh, lanes nice. and, like, mm-hmm. a, like, a smaller budget. Because they – you know, like every every obstacle has like one or two lanes, depending on the obstacle, and then they run it in a time trial format, right? So you can't you can't let right. off the gas because you never know what anyone else is doing. You, I mean, someone else, you know, several spots back could be running twice as fast as you, right? You you never know, right? So you got to kind of sure. do the whole event. Tell us a little bit about some of the other uh, unique obstacles that were at uh, this past massacre. Oh, let's see. So we ran down that we climbed. Into a pool. Hold on. I was going to say, just the terrain. Oh, yeah. The the terrain is nice. Running down um, a hill into a, a little valley. Um, did you do the tree jump? The tree jump. That one's yeah. not ringing a bell. Oh, so you could, to cross the, the little river, you could oh, either yep. climb okay. down yep. the ground or just run off the tree like a action movie star. I was like, oh, I'm going for the tree. It was... It was such like a, a great um, setup to just use the environment to make it a really challenging obstacle. Um, God, what did they have? They had um, the Baumgarten rig where you had to do all the upper body and then you had to carry a four by four across a, a wiggling beam for, uh, for weight, which was really interesting. God, there's, I can't even remember. I just remember, oh, I know what was really clever. The tire crawls where there's like eight tires just hanging from a, a, a spindle low to the ground, and you have to crawl under it and push the tires up as you go. It's so simple, and it looks so easy, but I find it to be so exhausting trying to, like, wedge yourself between these tires with the friction of them against each other and just not moving. Oh, I dread those so much. 
So I I love how it's so they they it's a I know I think the Shurinji is two miles with like sixty obstacles, and the yeah. the massacre is three miles with I think sixty five obstacles, right? So it's just super dense, and it's in a mm-hmm. park, right? So like a lot right. of OCRs, you got to drive out into the middle of nowhere. This one's like it's like on the sure, edge, of, yeah, in St. Louis, right? Like it's 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 right there, and you know they don't they don't have a lot of space, they don't have a lot of terrain, but again they they pack so much in there. Almost mm-hmm. every obstacle had a volunteer, or if it wasn't a volunteer at the obstacle, there was someone who could see that, see that obstacle, yeah. which I was just really impressed with the number of volunteers and the kind of the community surrounding them. And uh, some of my favorite obstacles were the, yeah, at one point you did a heavy carry through the, like the shallow end of a pool, and then you walked to the far, the deep yeah. end, and you actually climbed out of the pool. There's no water in it, right? So, but you... Yeah, you, thankfully. Yeah, it was a, it was a rope, it was like a, uh, kind of a wall climb but you know you're down like 12 yeah it was like tied to the where the diving board was i think yeah exactly and then there was another one uh it's on my instagram page if anyone's listening uh or not following me it's at at ultra ocr man but there was a a net that went it was like over the balcony of like the fitness center and like oh yeah the cargo net down yeah and it, it was tied to um a picnic table essentially so <laughs> that's what it was weighted down with but like you know, if you just jumped off that, you I mean, you'd fall like, you know, 15, 20 feet, but the net, you know, obviously the net, you, know, you, you climb over. But I just thought that was so unique. And um, yeah. Just oh, yeah. That was a good thing to kind of hit across. You get there. The uh, uh, Just another one I just thought of for the Trenji that was super unique last time is they brought out a fire truck and extended the ladder out. And so you had to go across the whole ladder. And at the end, there was a slack line attached to it, and you had to go across the slack line to hit a bell before you dropped down. And I was like, "Who brings a fire truck to an OCR race? This is this is pulling out all the stops." Yeah, they, it's the obstacles are so unique, and they have these enormous crash pads also. So some of the oh, obstacles yeah. you can just—I mean, I can like recklessly launch myself off of them and <laughs> still land and be fine. Um, mm-hmm. So, and then at the end, they, oh. the, the massacre last year, you started in the skate park, the massacre this year, you ended in the skate park, which again, I love the, I yeah. love the use of the terrain and they had like a Tyrolean traverse connecting, uh, two of the kind of, uh, quarter pipes. Oh yeah. There. Across like the half pipe. The yeah. Half pipe, yeah. So. And the volunteers are, are great. They're out there and they're, they're cheering you on and then they take photos of everyone going through. So, you know, you get all these photos throughout the day. You don't have to have like a professional photographer at like every obstacle you know most people just want to see themselves on an obstacle they don't necessarily need like the the highest quality you know 4k um you know photo which is great but you know for you know most people that don't do it you know professionally they're like yeah i just want to be able to show people what i did and they're out there so i think they just posted like hundreds of photos on the facebook page yeah, that was, that's another good point. And the, and the photos were up within literally within minutes, like before I had left <laughs> yeah. the venue, I, I, I go onto their Facebook and there are photos like appearing on my Facebook feed. And I was like, how is this? People, <laughs> like they were uploading them like immediately. So that was super cool. Uh, you didn't have to wait several days for your photos, you know. Yeah. Amazing turnaround. Amazing. Yeah. And then on top of that, right. So the the race starts right outside of a fitness center. So before the race, yeah, yeah. you could hang out inside the fitness center. So, you know, it's a little, still in March, it's still a little cool. 
So it was nice mm-hmm. to have like a warm area to hang out in. And because of the size of the race, you kind of had, you know, you had like your own pit, like little setup space. So it's, it's it felt like a, like a VIP treatment to me as, as someone who does, does a lot of these races, you know, it felt, I felt like a VIP, right? I had my own little area and my kids mm-hmm. hang out and my, I got all my bags and stuff in there. We had indoor plumbing. We had a, a shower, which was great because I had to, you just came from Ninja and I was going to Ninja. So after the race, I had to go hop in the shower to rinse off to get to the airport. Uh, and I normally like, whatever, I'll just be dirty. But having a shower there was actually amazing. And for people who've done OCR races and waiting in line in a port john I'd, I'd much rather wait in line for regular plumbing than I would for an outhouse. Yeah, that's right. I, I Another good point. And uh, yeah, I actually, technically I had, I had, I had run Ninja Warrior the day before in the very, very early hours of the morning. And I was like, I was like, oh no, you know, like, you know, you know, at most, at most Ninja Warrior, right. For the, the first stage is six obstacles. I was like, so yeah, my hand, my, my grip strength will be fine. And I got to like the first rig and my arms pumped out immediately. And I was like, all right, maybe I was not fine. So good thing you had the cardio. You caught up quick. I did have the I do have the cardio. Yes, I do. Yeah. So that's uh that's my you know, OCR is my specialty, so it was uh Yeah, it's, it's that Ultraman training. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Um and then let's see, tell oh, people and don't forget about the enormous medals that they give out. So cool. So, yeah. They're like probably the the biggest that I have, if not tied with. I mean they're bigger than your palm. Yeah, they're like three, three by five. These like metal cards, and it's got this cool like Grim Reaper on it. Um, oh yeah, from the massacre this year. Yeah, yeah, so good. Card of metal. So good. They're so good. Yeah, I mean it. it, it anyone who went to like OCRWC or uh, North American Championships, they feel like that quality, that kind of weight. So yeah. anyone who's like a swag is like big on swag. Like that. That was really good. And then they. Uh, uh, Dr. Littlefield, uh, the uh, race, the race owner's son was there. He's a chiropractor. He was giving some free treatments, and then they had. Oh, a nice! Yeti. I like that with Doug's son. Uh, yeah. Uh, then they, they also had a yeti uh, walking around in costume that my son was scared of. Uh, that Aww. my daughter, my daughter thought was fun. And uh, first form was there from supplement and supplement superstore. So we got some free, you know, kind of supplements. And then uh, tell people how you did and kind of and a little bit about the uh, podium ceremony slash swag you got for doing well yeah it was uh great i got a second which was fun i got a a whole bag full of first form swag um headband a whole bunch of bars a whole bunch of energy drinks um i don't think i got any any protein or pre-workout um stuff i did at a previous um hazelwood race which i'm I'm scraping the bottom of now uh because they were big barrels and they give out a lot of first form at these events um and god what else did i get in there yeah some, i don't know there's just bars all, beef jer- there's like all, all sorts of beef jerky and some electrolyte yeah, yeah, drink and, yeah. mm-hmm. and then you got the the ultimate um podium up on the the cherry picker yes so i i came in uh second last year and i was on the stage um, and this year I came in first and I was, they, when they announced they, first, they had first behind the kind of the big banner. And, you know, when they, 
they gave us like a quick class beforehand. And when they announced our names, we essentially rose up, I don't know, 25 <laughs> feet on this cherry picker, like behind coming out from behind the sign. It, it's, it's the one of the coolest podium ceremonies ever. Um, yeah, they got the fog machine for you. They had the fog machine. They had like these giant yeah. skeletons, like the Home Depot one. That's the one that's like ten feet tall. Was there? So did they get your uh, swag up on the cherry picker, or did they wait till you came down? Uh, they waited till I came down. Yeah, that's okay. I figured it'd be too much to fit up there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, you probably walked out. There was what two armfuls of goodies. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I also like, I, like you said, I, I got the basically the same goodie bag you got. Plus, I got like a big jug of protein powder um, that I oh, haven't, nice. I haven't even cracked into yet. So, <laughs> yeah, such a good event. I highly recommend mm-hmm. uh, going. The next one is the Shirinji. I want to say it's the last weekend in September. I want to say Doug said. Yeah, it's, it's around September October. I don't know. Did they post the uh, the date for it yet? I'm not sure if he posted it yet, but he messaged me okay. um, uh, and said it was – I think he said it was last week in September. Anyway, go go to cool. Hazelwood OCR. Uh, they're on Instagram. They're on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Give them a follow, and then you'll be able to keep up with all their events. And uh, yeah, know, like, like we said, the, the the turnout tends to be kind of small. So for those of you who are looking for a good placement, uh, get <laughs> me. Um, and for those of you who just want a great time, again, for the, the, the value you're paying per obstacle – I mean, I don't. Oh I don't think there's another race out there that's going to be like <clears throat> that. You're going to get that that many uh, obstacles for that price. I mean, it's just insane. It's completely insane. Yeah. So. Plus, it's great that you're near the spectators for a good portion of it. So you get people cheering you on. You're not kind of out in the the woods waiting to find people again. But it's always you know a a good crowd atmosphere. Yeah, agreed. My 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 wife and kids love it. They're uh, they were able to uh, watch me on several obstacles. My kids were nice. there's, there's two playgrounds that my kids were playing on in bet- like while I was running. Uh, my kids gave me a high five like right before the end, which is really nice. Fun. Um, from from a playground, so like we crawled under like a playground. Bridge, oh yeah, like, yeah. Right, crawl. Uh-huh. Yeah, right before we descended, and they they kind of reached down <laughs> and gave a high five. That was. That was that was really fun. Um, so, we and then, just wait for Daddy on the playground for him. Say again. As they, they were just like, we'll wait for Daddy on the playground. Yeah, he'll come yeah. to us. Yeah, absolutely. And the um, yeah, can't say enough good well, things. The bummer you missed the uh, Chirendi, but I'm, I'm glad you made the the Valentine or the massacre. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully this. Uh, I got to look at my schedule. I have, I only plan out like a month or two, just because things get a little crazy with between work and racing. And, <laughs> Oh, are you doing a uh, world's toughest this year as well? I am. Yep. Um, I feel like I got another, at least a solid one or two more years of like being competitive as an individual at least. And then uh, we'll see. I'll kind of reevaluate from there and I might start switching to team for some other years. We'll see. I'm going to uh, give it a go this year. I was uh, my wife's pit crew for the 12 hour and the 24. Um, but we found out three days before the 24th she was pregnant. So we just kind of went camping, and she walked both laps, the first and the last. I'm like, all right, um, this will be fun to actually do. So we, uh, we planned last year that we were both going to go through the, uh, the Tough Mudder series and, and give Worlds a try and, you know, just see what we get. Awesome. Super exciting. Yeah, lo- love, love seeing you out there. I remember seeing you on one of the – one of the 12 hours uh, standing by one of the, by Everest. And I was like, oh, oh yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. You're like, hey. Yeah, I'll just dance along with that DJ underneath it. Yeah, yeah. It's great, great. What else, uh, where else can people find you in uh, 2023? Um, well, I got Instagram is where I'm mostly active. Uh, Facebook does stuff there, but just at Captain NBC. I'll be going to the Glython June 3rd, which is, I'll be, so I'm the, the guy that sends you off at the starting block, and then I hop in the last wave and run the race with them. Um, I'll be doing uh, Tough Mudder at the end of this month. I think it's the 29th in Missouri. Um, my wife is a Tough Mudder ambassador. Uh, I've been doing OCR for a while. Um, so she got a good group of people. I think we got like 20 or so ninja parents joining us for uh, that race, which will be a lot of fun. A lot of them, their first time doing uh, OCR. And then we'll be doing the toughest, uh, world's toughest. Uh, we've got the World Ninja League Regionals at uh, Ultimate Ninja St. Louis. I think that's July. And then Worlds, if I make it through, which I, I assume I would. I don't know when that is. I think that's in, like, North Carolina. Uh, probably closer to, like, June or July as well. Uh, and then uh, what was the other thing we were doing? This is why I need calendars. <laughs> I I think that's like most of the the races and events that that we kind of have going up. I know there's um some local ones that we'll we'll pop into. Obviously, I'll hit the Cherenji again when that comes up, um, and try and hit up some local just five Ks and ten Ks, and you know keep active and you know support the community with you know events and stuff if we can. Sounds good. And last question. Uh, tell yep. us something people would be surprised to know about you. Hmm. Let's see. Got to find something that Ninja hasn't talked about yet. Oh, no, 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 no. Ah, um, something that they might be surprised to know is that they, they've probably seen that I have a good amount of tattoos. Um, and I actually was starting my internship to become a tattoo artist before I became a, uh, a ninja coach. Uh, and before that, I was an or trained to be an architect. Um, but I actually tattooed myself uh, a couple times. And there's a style of tattooing. I wanted to kind of go through the history of, you know, American traditional. You've got kind of the Japanese uh, poking style. You've got the um, the tapping, and then you have the skin stitching, which is just like needle and thread and a thing of ink, and you get two dots every time, which is um, mostly the Inuit people. And I waited like four years, never found someone, so I started doing it. So I started doing um, skin stitching on myself, which was quite a process to, to muster up the nerve for, and it's been going very slowly. But yeah, I've, I've tattooed myself in the normal way and a very unpleasant way as well oh that's interesting very interesting i i usually try to match the guest to something similar mm. uh, I, I think mo most people know this i think if you follow my again follow my social media because i post i'm usually very shirtless i've got two tattoos on me one is an orthodox cross on my back and the other one is uh a couple of letters and numbers for one of my friends that died overseas in combat so that's on the inside of my nope. arm so usually it's hard for people to read so people usually ask me what it is 
and then the, yeah. the Orthodox cross on my back. Since we're actually recording on half or normal Easter Sunday uh, sure. for people. Uh, so this is actually Orthodox Palm Sunday. So my Easter is a week from today and has to do with the uh, the old calendar and kind of how they calculate Easter. So a lot of times Orthodox okay. and Christian East, Orthodox and Catholic Easter will be a week apart a lot of the times. And sometimes it's uh, occasionally, occasionally it's like crazy. It's like almost like five weeks apart. It can be in like, it can be separated by like over a month, but it's usually about a week apart. And occasionally it's on the same day, but uh, yeah. Well, I've learned something. <laughs> and then for the the Orthodox cross, again, some people are confused by the cross on my back, right? So it's three bars uh, representing the Holy Trinity. And then on top yeah. of that, the bottom bar is slanted because when Jesus was crucified, he was crucified with two criminals. Um, one of them repented for his sins and one of them did not. So one of them went uh, up to heaven and one went down to hell. So that's why the bottom bar is angled like that. So Oh, clever. Yeah, it's interesting. Do you get frustrated when people ask for the um, explanation on the letters and numbers? Because it's, no. it's kind of for you, not for them. No, no, it, it doesn't bother me. I, a lot of times people ask because they're generally curious, and then like I explain it, and then they a lot of people don't know how to respond. When it's like, oh, my, my college roommate was killed in Iraq, and then they're like, it just takes them back. They're like, I was, I was not yeah. ready for that type of answer. Um, and it actually, we're, we're recording two days after the death of his anniversary, right? So it's he decided oh, no. – April 7th, 2007, so uh, about 16 years ago and two days ago. So, well, yeah. So I'm actually at oh, Fort yeah. Benning right now, and they have a Global War on Terrorism Memorial at the National Infantry Museum, which I did not know okay. about, which was kind of cool because there's uh, lists of, like, all, all of my friends and coworkers' friends uh, from uh, that have died overseas. I took some pictures this past weekend, and uh, – Send it to some of the widows and um, other people I know who've uh, lost people in in combat. So that was kind of a, nice. a nice surprise. Where's the museum? Say again. Where's the museum? So it is at Fort Benning, Georgia, uh, which is Columbus, Georgia, about an hour and a half south of Atlanta. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I also went to the original. Oh, I also went to the original Chick Fil A, which is in Atlanta, right by the airport. If anyone's flying through Atlanta. Oh yeah. They have a special menu. Also interesting. Like a, anything unique? Yeah, they had this sweet potato souffle that I would highly recommend. Um, I wouldn't like, expect a souffle from a Chick Fil A, but that's interesting. Yeah, it was like sweet potatoes and had some like sort of brown sugar on top or something. It was okay, absolutely delicious. So like half of the half of the uh, Chick Fil A is like a normal Chick Fil A, and the other half is like a diner. So you get some normal <laughs> Chick Fil A items, but then you also get some of these specialty items and some of them from like their original that were on the, the original menu when the first Chick-fil-A opened, which was called Dwarf House in 1947. So I, mean, cool. I just I just came from there, so I have all these facts floating yeah. around in my head. You're, you're you're not you're not that amazing at memory. Yeah. It's like it's like forty eight hours old. So I, it's uh it's <laughs> easy to keep that in 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 my brain. All right. Awesome. We're, we're gonna get going. Any final shout outs you want to give Jamie? Um just uh Doug from um, Hazelwood OCR, he, he runs a lot of it and puts in a lot of work and time. And, and uh, I just want him to be acknowledged for all the amazing work he does with uh, the OCR races. And, you know, like we said, there's there's definitely not as many people there that, that should be there. Um, and I just want him to have successful events and I think he's a great person. So want to shout out Doug and the amazing work that he does for the Hazelwood 
OCR and community. Yep, agree 100%. And uh, if anyone wants uh, more information on obstacle course racing or any training tips, you can check out my website, teamstrengthspeed.com. Got some books on there. And then also Bleg Mitts, the best-selling obstacle course racing mitten. The only glove you need for OCR is also on there. I uh, ran out of, or I'm about to run out of medium and large, but I should have a shipment in probably by the time this episode actually publishes. So uh, anyone that uh, wants some some mittens, you can head over to teamstrengthspeed.com and save yourself about 20 bucks as opposed to buying them from Australia. Uh, <laughs> nice. And it takes about four days when I ship them as opposed to like three weeks. So, uh, same, so they're the same exact product. Deanna sends them to me in bulk. And I help distribute them here in the United States. You can check that out. Oh, that's excellent. All right. We're going to go on. Jamie, thanks for spending the time uh, and giving us some of your knowledge. It's been great. And I loved all of your uh, your ninja background stuff. So anytime <laughs> you want to come on and share some more some more info, let, let me know. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for uh, having me on. It was fun chit-chatting ninja and OCR. All right. We'll, we'll catch you later. Thanks again. Awesome. See ya.